The curse of the devil. Exorcism, a sacrifice. Blessing or bestiality. The curse of the devil. Satan in control of the body and the mind. My love will destroy the creation. I swear that you will find Welcome back to the Nashy Cast. This is episode 67, and I am Rod Barnett. I'm Troy Gwynn. And tonight, we bring you another very rare Paul Nashy mm-hmm, film. Last mm-hmm. time out, we talked Shadows of Blood from 1988-ish. We, yeah, we're so happy that that was not to be the last episode of <laughs> Nashy Cast. <laughs> oh, fated to never be. I don't think there'll ever be a last episode. Until, you know, we die in a fire yeah, car crash. Yeah, we will, it's really not going to be We will find a way to milk of it. Yeah, we will... We will drink the blood from this subject town. <laughs> there's, there's a turnip we can squeeze forever. Yeah. It's called the Nashy Cast. Yeah. Uh, as long as there are people willing to come on the show and talk about Paul Nashy, we yeah. will do so. Exactly. Tonight, we will be talking about one of his films from the 70s, one that he uh, had a hand in the script. He is the lead mm-hmm. and is a pretty interesting film to talk about, even mm-hmm. if it is difficult to see. We will yes, try to uh, subtly point you toward the uh subtitled version of this that is now available out there even if it is a bit of an intense eyesore yeah. to attempt to watch but here at the top of the show we wanted to be very we wanted to be very clear that we're extraordinarily excited about the upcoming release mm-hmm. of Amando Diasorio's Tombs of the Blind Dead. Yes, the very first mm-hmm. Blind Dead mm-hmm. film is coming to Blu-ray. Yes. From Synapse Films, Don May's company over there has taken its time to bring you a lavish package. He has released mm-hmm. some. They uh, moved, let's just say they moved about as quickly as the blind dead horses on this. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like he had good reason though. I think so. Oh yeah. Stuff. Well, the yeah. things with synapse, you always know they're taking their time for a reason. They want to knock it out of the park. So. And boy, it does look like they have. Uh, there's going to be three commentary tracks on it. Uh, one with uh, author Troy Howarth, who has done commentary tracks for them on a few other mm-hmm. releases as well. One with Lone Fleming, yeah. the wondrous star of Tombs of the Blind Dead, which is fantastic. That is. Such a, such a nice lady, and it's great that she volunteered to be a, be a part of something like this. That's just fantastic. And also, a third commentary track with the two of us. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes, yes. We don't want to hear the excitement level dropping right there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes, we are very excited about this, man. This, yes, this yes, is, uh, we've been we've been very good people, and we've not talked about the fact no, that this no. was on the way, and that we had been involved. Uh, it it was difficult, mm-hmm. but uh, now that it's been announced, we can we can sing about it to the world. We're just mm-hmm. extraordinarily happy to be able to talk about the fact that Tombs of the Blind Dead is coming to Blu-ray. Yeah, yeah, and that, of course, this is the second of the Blind Dead films to make it to Blu-ray here in the states. The mm-hmm. first one, strangely enough, being the fourth one. That came out from uh, Scream Factory a few years ago, which we also did a commentary track yeah, for. Yeah. So uh, 
we're uh, we're two for two. Yeah. <laughs> on uh, domestic releases of the Blind Dead films, we've managed to do commentary tracks on two of them. Mm-hmm. Please, Lord, release the other two, and we'll do commentary tracks on them as well. Yeah, no. I promise. We are so shameless. We will. We will do Ghost Galleon. We promise you. <laughs> <I'll> be glad, <laughs> I'll be happy uh, to do Ghost. Galleon. After after my reevaluation yeah. of Ghost Galleon, yeah. I, not not only were 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 bodies flipping in in mm-hmm. tombs around the world as I <laughs> as I sang a different song about that particular movie. Yeah. Yes, of course, I'd love to do a commentary track on Ghost Galleon because my God, is there a lot to talk about with that movie as mm-hmm. well? Mm-hmm. But. You know what's next? I mean, sure, surely somebody out there is going to want to do the second one. So. Yeah, yeah, I would think so. Yeah, Return of the Blind right Dead or Return of the Evil Dead, whichever title mm, they yeah. decide to give it. But yeah, yeah. I'm, I would I would have to assume that at this slow, this yeah. slow, <laughs> ponderous way in which these movies are ass backwards in their way onto the high definition format, that you would think that surely, surely. <laughs> Well, no, I mean, if they keep this weird... I mean, I guess Ghost Galleon would be next if they if they do something they, strange. They bizarre, exactly. They could yeah, yeah. no order what Four, one, three, <laughs> then two. What right. the hell? <laughs> Can't even do it in a complete opposite order. I mean, it's yeah. just... Who knows? And, it, and for everyone out there wondering why there hasn't been some kind of box set release of all four of those movies... It all has to do with the, the rights holders, and the, I'm sure it has something something hideous to do with the amount of money being asked to license the movies to put them out in high definition. Yeah. But uh, oh oh, I wish we say that uh, the commentary tracks are not the only extras on oh, no, on the disc. No. Of course, uh, there's uh, a, a, a there's a documentary that uh, is going to be a part that's going to be part of the uh, the disc, and uh, not only are both versions of the movie going to be on there, the uh, the shorter and the longer cut, but Don May set himself the insane task of combining <laughs> <laughs> combining those two edits together uh. <laughs> so that you have the English language cut over, mm-hmm. the English language dialogue over the, over the uh, Spanish language cut mm-hmm. with the uh, stuff that's not in English automatically subtitled. Uh, he, he, he says that he's, he thought it would be a great idea, so he's got three versions of the movie on there, even if cutting together this Alternate third version that'll be on the disc turned out to be a, a Herculean task that he regretted the minute he set out to do it. But, uh, whoo, man, his what a great idea. Our, his pain will be our, our gain, though. So his, we'll, his pain is our joy. This yeah, is true. Yeah. So, uh, lots to look forward to with that release. And, uh, man, just mm-hmm. couldn't be happier. Also, yeah, by the way, yeah. of course, those of you who bought the limited edition versions of Howl of the Devil should probably start seeing those turn up in your mail anytime soon. I got a notification that a version was on its way to me just to, just the other day. So by the time you hear this, I'm assuming that some of you who bought the limited edition straight from Mondo Macabro will start to see how the devil winding yep. its way through the mail to you. Cool. And then, of course, we can look downrange and know that, yeah, they've already announced, by the way, Mondo will be doing the Frenchman's Garden. So yes, yes. Keep that in mind. We've got more Nashy goodness yeah. on the way yeah. on Blu-ray. Always good to know and always puts a smile on everybody's face it here does. at the Nashy cast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> One more uh, announcement. Realizing that I'm not doing nearly enough podcasting. Uh, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. Was enticed to join a friend. <laughs> He's heard your clamors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the clamoring is loud and clear. Uh, I just wanted to make sure that everybody knew that here soon there will be a new podcast that I will be a part of. I will not be the only reason I'm a part of this one, folks. Is I, I can't take on another task. I really I cannot <laughs> doing the Nashy Cast and doing the Bloody Pit is uh, is more than enough for the free time that I allot to these t- to these things. But 
Adrian Smith, who is a, uh, he's been on the show. He, he guested and uh, uh, did a little bit talking about uh, uh, a Nashy film uh, last year. And, and we'll actually hear him on our mailbag when we get to our mailbag. We'll actually oh, yeah, hear his voice right. later in the show. So Adrian will be, uh, you'll hear some Adrian at the end of the show as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's also been over the Bloody Pit talking with me about uh, Cannibal Holocaust and a few Antonio Margariti films and different things of that nature over the years. Well, he has decided to start another podcast that he's calling Wild Wild Podcast. Hmm. And it's going to focus on Italian exploitation stuff. And he's going to divide it into seasons. And the first season that I've agreed to join him for is going to focus on Italian science fiction movie. Therefore, well, Italian science fiction movies, which I guess, you know, Wild Wild Podcast should give you an idea <laughs> of the clue. one of the movies that's going <clears> to <throat> <gonna, throat> probably be a part of this eventually. Uh, he and I will start that uh, podcast here very soon. Uh, I will try to let everybody know with future announcements as well as we get those mm-hmm. things recorded. And as since I don't have to edit them, all I have to do is like watch the mm-hmm. movies and show up to be smart and fun. <laughs> now, I can be, you know, maybe fun mm-hmm. and possibly smart, <laughs> but not both at the same time. So tune into that new podcast to find out which version which of is it you get Which is it? The smarter the fun one, which will we get, Rod? <laughs> <laughs> maybe some weeks you don't get any. None of it. But I uh, wanted to let everybody know about that now. Awesome. I look forward to that. And with that behind us, I guess we will uh, we will look down range to uh, talking about this episode's film and i'm gonna i'm gonna give the italian i I feel my my tongue twisting i'm going to give the the title of this a shot at least right here i'm gonna tell you the title of this movie todos los gritos del silencio even with the accent it doesn't sound right (laughs) but uh, but you're probably doing the best you can well no i think sadly i think i'm throwing an italian accent (laughs) i think you are too but but i do the same thing under the spanish language i don't think that it works i think i did the same thing when i tried to so uh but yes uh we think that that means all the screams of silence is the best uh, well, translation that's what, we can come up that's with. So, every yeah. translation, every, every translation that mm-hmm. I've turned up mm-hmm. is either is either that or mm-hmm. what are you saying? So, yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? You, know, you, you say that to something like Siri or any yeah, other kind of like, artificial like, intelligence, and it just it sneers at you and yeah. thinks that you you know had <laughs> some kind of seizure. But Todos los gritos del silencio from 1975, a Paul Ashy film that now. English speakers can actually see and comprehend. So hang on, folks. We'll come back and we will talk about that movie. Here's what some people are saying about the Projection Booth podcast. This podcast takes no shortcut in producing outstanding content. How they haven't become more widely recognized is beyond me. I love this show. Smart commentary, in-depth interviews, and great production. It's obvious how serious these guys take their podcast and bring that next level of professionalism that anyone would be hard-pressed to match. There are few things better in life than listening to people who are both passionate and knowledgeable about their subject matter. The Projection Booth, with their wide and wild range of film discussions, is one of those things. Simple as that. The Projection Booth is the highest quality film podcast around. I love the focus on cult films, witty, informative banter, and amazing interviews. The Projection Booth is the best podcast out there, if you're a serious film lover. The Projection Booth Podcast, with new episodes available every week at projectionboothpodcast.com. Prepare for a spine-tingling, nerve-shattering podcast featuring all your favorite monsters. 
You won't believe your ears when you listen to Monster Kid Radio. Hear your host, Derek M. Cook, and his ever-rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classics and sometimes not-so-classic monster movies. Subscribe to Monster Kid Radio through iTunes or Stitcher, or visit monsterkidradio.net before the next weekly episode of Monster Kid Radio. Go through the archives for interviews with Sarah Karloff, Victoria Price, and Joel Hodson. Listen to discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror, and King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the HP Lovecraft Film Festival, Classic Monsters, Modern Talk, and The Head of Rondo Hatton, only on Monster Kid Radio. All the Cries of Silence, 1975, we think. 1974, maybe. Oh. There's some yeah. fudging back and forth about the exact date of release. Um, and, uh, as usual, it almost always falls on the uh, you know which country are you talking about scale of where you know when it got yeah. released. Anyway, I will go immediately to the videos reference work that we we Sounds always good. use. Yeah, right. I think it's a good jumping off point right. for this. Uh, remember, he had a hand in the screenplay, so uh, Senor Nashi had had uh, some things to say about this. He says about this movie, A picture totally crippled and spoiled. It was a magnificent thriller, but with the misfortune of a barely competent director, Ramon, uh, Ramon Barco, and a person who was intervened in, and a person who has intervened in many of my films to their detriment, Juan Jose Porto. They ruined it. During the shooting, I had very harsh confrontations with the director over what he was doing with the film. I was at the point of getting rid of him and directing it myself. Hmm. As I have already said, it was a film with a good script, but they crippled it. By the way, Ramon Barco was found dead a few months ago in a New York subway tunnel in an advanced state of decomposition. This was in the early 90s. Jesus. And that does apparently well, turn out to be true. Well, I noticed he only did like he only had like three credits to his name, and, and this is the only one of his movies that actually got any kind of commercial release. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to know what Nashi's original visions were for this. Unfortunately, we'll just have to speculate because since we well, don't... I have some speculation, and then I have some information that might shed a little light mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. Uh, the directions that. Nashi's script went, mm-hmm. then they got dropped as they made the movie. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's not hard to spot some of them yeah. when you realize there's a it, there's an odd element to this movie <laughs> yeah, there is. in which we spend a whole lot of time at, at home with yeah. the yeah. police inspector. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With the detective actually in charge of mm-hmm. figuring out who's doing all these mm-hmm. murders. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the point where it's like, I'm very happy that Murda Miller is oh, in the film yeah. playing the police inspector's wife. But there comes a point when we're spending so much time with them at home, mm-hmm. even in, in, in instances where they're not even discussing the case at hand, it's, it's more domestic life stuff, that I seriously started to think, aha, this has got to play into the resolution of this mystery Surely, what this means <laughs> uh-huh. is the detective is going to turn out to be involved in the murders in some way. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's start with spoilers. Yes, yeah. that is not true. Yeah, no, that is not. Uh, I so, think I think I see I see some basic reasons why these kind of scenes are in there, but they may have ended up being more prominent than necessarily yeah. that they needed to be. You know, I mean, I think they could have made the point with fewer of those scenes at the point that I think they're trying to make. But we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves, I guess, a little bit on that. A subject. little bit, so, a little bit, a little bit. 
But speaking of spoilers, how much are we going to spoil this film? Well, I, I kind of, it's not an easy film to see, folks. If you're yeah. going to seek this movie out, you will have to, uh, you'll have to go down some dark alleyways on the back roads mm. of the horrible, horrible areas of the internet where mm. bootleg films are yeah. are concerned. And, and which remember, we in no way encourage. The, the special antenna is a wonderful thing, and it yeah. allows you to pick up broadcasts from all over the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And occasionally, those those carrier waves do <laughs> do get a, a subtitle track, which yeah. allows you to comprehend things that otherwise would be completely incomprehensible. And that is a big, big plus. But I don't want to encourage people to go to these places. No. Actually, yes, I do. Go see this movie out. <laughs> yeah. Because the more people who see this, mm-hmm. the more people who uh, kind of absorb... What is, I think, a flawed movie, but one well worth seeing, especially yeah. if you're a Nashy fan. Yeah, because Nashy is very much the star of this. It's not a case where we got burned, where we get it, and he's suddenly in it for like five minutes. I mean, no. Nashy carries this whole film. He's in almost every scene. Yeah, and a lot of them. He's it's he is the central character. So you do get a lots of Nashy for it. So yeah. And without spoiling anything, there 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 comes several points in the movie where you start to wonder if he might not be the murderer sure. as well. Sure. And it becomes uh, really interesting the way that the movie plays with that aspect of it and mm-hmm. how at this mm-hmm. point in his career, Nashy mm-hmm. was nuanced enough an actor to pull that kind of performance mm-hmm. off. It's yeah. actually pretty darn well done. Yeah. Even watching this shitty, <laughs> yes, shitty yes. print. It is a rough print, believe us. It is tough to watch. Yeah, okay. The version that's out there, the only one that we know of that exists, does come from a videotape source. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is not... It's not bright enough. No. It's very smeary. There's there's points. It's another one of those prints where you watch and you think that there's some things that would mean more if you could see them better. You know, things yeah. you probably miss, literally, that would be important to the story or at least would enhance the filmmaking experience if you could actually make them out and tell what they, <laughs> tell what they are. There are, well, there are other instances where... The print is so bad and, and 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 so evidently from a videotape that there 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 are the video noise dropouts. Mm-hmm. There's yeah, uh, yeah. that really bad. I forget what they call those. Uh, the, the thing where the image yeah. gets so oh, so crappy, it. where it's where you get those uh, those horizontal lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, 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 that aren't not video noise, but something else. It's just mm. it's 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 not a good print. It's the best available, I'm assuming, because I certainly haven't been able to find anything that looks better. But, thank goodness, yeah, we would, now have yeah. subtitles. And thank you to the people who did the subtitling. Yes. yes. You are, you're making it possible for us Nashy fanatics to mm-hmm. finally see this movie. And, like I say, in this case, it's not a, it's not a, an instance of feeling like we got slapped no. by you know a film that has been so hard to see. And then you finally catch up with it catch up with it and realize, oh, well, the chase was was better than the, the yeah. catching. Yeah. Uh, in this case... Uh, it's not the passengers or something like that. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not it's not the passengers where it's like, well, that was mm. that was a Greek salad. I'm not sure what... The, I'm not really sure what flavor that was supposed <laughs> to be. I'm not really sure what the intention was. Yeah. No, no, no. We, with or this like movie, Mortal Sin, where, which was interesting, but Nashi had like one scene in it. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. it's not a good, case of that either. Yeah, so good yeah. movie, but not, yeah. you know, yeah. not a real Nashi movie. Yeah. So in this, in this instance, we get a full-on Nashi movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, co-written script, mm-hmm. uh, flawed. Yeah, but of the obvious genre that it is meant to be yeah. of, it is and it is yeah. either a police procedural or a giallo kind of yeah. whichever way you want to f- which whichever side of the knife you want to fall on, I yeah. guess. And it's got just some of that good seventies feel, you know, seventies euro euro feel that yeah. you like. So yeah, it's got a little bit of sleaze. Mm-hmm. It's adult. In uh, in the way that uh, I find not to be insulting when I say it's an adult movie, and that it right. actually addresses 
some interesting ideas within the within mm-hmm. the structure of its narrative about how its characters interact with each other, mm-hmm. uh, what what their relationships are, uh, tr- the interesting trust issues and odd uh, odd loyalty questions that in a in a uh, let's just say a better formed film would be really really instructive mm-hmm. on how to kind of move this kind of movie into a an even more interesting area yeah but uh here it's uh you know we're, we're dealing with what we've got yeah and I'll just say that I encourage you to seek this out if you if you're if you're curious uh, I don't think you'll be disappointed but you also will not be finding a true hidden gem right uh, this is worth checking out but not a classic yeah yeah that's fair I think uh um, and um, so if there's things, so we probably will be avoiding, there's, there's, there would be a lot of things we could talk about at the ending, uh, but since we're, I guess, going to be avoiding spoilers because it's not an easy film to see, then if there are specific things you want to talk about in the ending, you can always email us directly and we can back and forth on if there's things you want to. Yeah, and here's the thing. The, one of the things that this movie does is, although you could argue that it doesn't play fair with you about who the murderer is... Mm. It, it it at least is not something ridiculous. No, it's not. It's not. No. It's not a character that is dropped into the narrative in the last fifteen minutes. Exactly. Yeah. But it also, it is it is an odd choice. Yeah. Yeah. But it does work. I'll, I'll, I'll grant you mm-hmm. when the when the mystery unfolds, it does work. But I tell you what, like, why don't we uh, why don't we talk a little bit about how the movie unfolds, what the mm-hmm. story's about, yeah, uh, what Nash seems to have been playing with here, and then as we go along, we can probably talk a little bit about the things that work, the things that don't work. And then the uh, the problems mm-hmm. that seem to have ensued during production. The film starts with us in a dark room with a man developing mm-hmm. some photos mm-hmm. from his, well, from his uh, camera. We don't know if he's a sleazy guy yet. We yeah, don't right. know, but uh, we should say up front that uh, this is a movie that takes place in France, uh, mm-hmm. and they did mm-hmm. go and shoot some on-location stuff there in Paris. Uh, as a matter of fact, there's at least one scene in this movie that exists only to show you, without any doubt whatsoever, that we're in Paris, which, which is when and this is later in the movie. I just want to get this out there because yeah, I, I yeah. want before I forget this. Watching the watching the movie, there comes a point where Nash's character goes to this this these famous steps where you can yeah. see the Eiffel Tower in the distance. Right. You know, in other words, that that one yeah. image that tells you. Well, yeah. there's there's there are two images that will tell you I am in <laughs> Paris. The Champs Elysees, looking down looking yeah. down toward the yeah. uh, the Arc de Triomphe. Right. 
and the Eiffel Tower. It's like, guess where I am? <laughs> so it's like he, all it doesn't do is just you know you expect a couple of moms to go by any moment you know eating like huge long French breads you know or something yes, just yes, you I know. Mean, it's like, can we get more? French cliche. Yeah. It is like no, not yeah. really. Let's no, make sure. No. But it's like the scene mm. where he goes up and talks mm. to this talks to this woman who's who's there on these steps being photographed because she's a model. Totally extraneous. Could have been handled a hundred thousand ways. Oh God, that's bizarre. I know. But at the same time, it's like, yeah. God damn it, we paid money to be and in we're Paris. Gonna get a damn and we're going to get a shot of the Eiffel Tower in the background <laughs> with our main actor in the foreground, or uh, I'm going to hear the yeah. reason why. Yeah, it's almost like if you do a film in Paris, you've also got to have a fashion shoot of some kind. You know, it's just. <laughs> oh, I hadn't thought of that. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, well, true, yeah. I, I, I'd, I'd love to count sometime. You know, to go back and see like how many. I mean, even that kind of put me in the mode of feeling like, oh. We're in comfort, you know, Nashi territory again because how many of his films open with a travelogue? I mean, so many of them. True. Very so true. many of them open with just those opening scenes of whatever city it, it's not filming being filmed in. You know, or how many like, it's, it's like, oh, England, or, you know, you know what I mean? It's just. Oh, London. Yeah. Meaning yeah. that only about two days were spent in London. Good to know. Yeah. Well, well, I've yeah. heard that supposedly they, they were in. They were in Paris mm. for four weeks, mm. but I have I have I have doubts because mm. I don't know how much money was spent on this movie, but that mm. seems to be a bit excessive no. for no. you know a, I, it could it could be who knows, but anyway, I'll, I'll put it this way: I'd be a little shocked mm. if they spent not only that they spent that many weeks in mm. Paris, but they mm. spent like more than four weeks making the movie. Period. Yeah, yeah. But nevertheless, uh, the movie does take place in France. Mm. And uh, it starts in this dark room where this guy's developing photographs. A uh, a trench coat wearing hat fedora hat, mm. is it a fedora? I can't remember. Hat wearing mm. individual. Mm-hmm. We can't see any distinguishing marks whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Enters the oh, dark black black gloves. Black oh yeah of course black gloves. Mm-hmm. Enters the room mm-hmm. and stabs. Actually no no, uh, no, no. this is this is not a stabby stabby yeah. thing. Yeah walks into the dark room and shoots mm-hmm. this photographer dead. And then, of course, uh, grabs some of the photographs that were being developed at the time and the strip of film that they were being developed from and exits the dark room. And uh, this is why this is where the title, if you want to try to make any sense of the title, uh, it, it becomes, I guess, apparent or I think it's apparent when uh, you figure out that the mode of killing the killer's preferred method is a gun with a silencer on it. Right. Um, that's so, yeah. So... Hence the title. Hence the title. At least we can. At least as best I mean, we can tell. <laughs> because there's not a character in the movie that's deaf. Right. <laughs> there's never a point in the in the in the story where um, someone hearing something mm. becomes some kind of major plot point. Mm. Nothing of this nature. It's not mm. a. It's not that. It's uh, either a mm. a really cool title sounds mm. cool, or it relates directly to the killer's methodology, mm. or nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> we. We don't know. We don't. Know. But it does mean that it does not lend itself to particularly gruesome or bloody deaths. And so, if that's yeah. what you're looking for in this film, that's not what you're going to get with a with a gun with silencer. The killings are more from a distance. You know, the yeah, killer's a quite point. a good shot. But uh, yeah, that's a good point to, to to bring out to people. If if what you're looking for is a more grisly, mm-hmm. gory version of uh, the Spanish giallo, mm-hmm. it's not what you're going to get with this movie. That's right. true. I think uh, I, I would think that. Uh, 
Blue Eyes the Broken Doll was probably a little bloodier. Oh, I would say, yeah. Just by virtue of some of the uh, some of the violence within it. Yeah. While not being overly violent a movie, if you discount the animal cruelty right. scene yeah. where they, they take the where they where they kill yeah. the pig, yeah. I don't know. Well, uh, the the best friend slash possibly only friend of this photographer uh, is played by Paul Nashi, who is a, a journalist there in Paris. Mm-hmm. His name is Gerard Roland. Uh, Gerard. Because so we know he must be yeah, French. Of course. <laughs> He's so French. And you know another way that we know he is French? <laughs> he has a boss tag. Yeah, that right. says French <laughs> so well, <laughs> just like Clouseau. Oh, wait. No, we get a character. We get a Clouseau. Clouseau yeah. later in this film. <laughs> and they're cut, and, and he's, a poli- he's a detective. I mean, that's the best yes, thing about it. Yes, I know. It. I know. And it's not, from what I can tell, it's not spelled exactly the same. It's, yes, it's slightly different. It's more like, it looked like it'd be more like Clouseau or Clouseau yeah, or something. Yeah. But they say it, Clouseau, when they say it in the day. The, yeah, well, you know, when you this hear the voice, it sounds like they're yeah, saying Clouseau. <laughs> certainly does. But, but uh, I will say that uh, Nashi's hair in this film is not is not top notch. No. And so another reason why I'd love to see a, a better print of this movie is just to get a get an mm. idea because I think the idea was that this guy is supposed to be fairly disheveled. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's he's a journalist. He's not uh, paying a whole lot of attention to mm-hmm. ridiculous things like making sure his hair is all going mm. in the proper direction or that it looks like somebody gives a shit about it. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> but he but he does shave well enough to give us a mustache. <laughs> now one of the first things they establish is about him before you even see the actual character, is he has this mural of all these photos on his wall. Yes. And the photos it quickly zooms out from are photos that establish that he was at one time a professional boxer. Uh, and in addition to being a journalist. Um, now, this is a one right off the bat, one of the cases where I would have loved, I'd love to see a really nice print because I would love to get a better look of what this strange collage of photos all over his wall would get the impression that most of it is from the woman that he's obsessed with through the film. Yeah. Also combined with a few pictures of him from his his early profession, but I would love to see what more it would have told us, what more we could possibly glean from being able to see a really good look at this, you know, wall and get a better idea of what all that is on there. Because in this print, it's you just kind of get the impression of a whole lot of photos all glued together on the wall. So, you, just as an aside, mm-hmm. what what do you what, what's the percentage chance of us ever getting a decent print of this film? Well, I know it's it's probably. I mean, uh, all seriousness I not think. not high because it's not a genre that people are going to be clamoring for it's not like one of his yeah. horror films yeah and so I would guess that, that you know probably pretty slim I would think uh, that we'll ever see a better it could I'm, I don't want to say never because we've said never yeah. before and we've gotten, <laughs> and been, we've gotten pleasantly up. surprised what I'm wondering about is since we do know that the Frenchman's Garden is going to be coming out and that is a period crime movie right right um it, do, it does make me wonder, because there are a slew of Nashi's crime movies in the 70s mm-hmm. and 80s that I would love to see get mm-hmm. some kind of actual release. If and people could, pa- if it could be, you could package them as a set with a theme, I think would be a really cool way to go with it. Like Nashi, Nashi's crime, Nashi crime films, you know, as like gets four or five of them together into one set, or, or, I think or would be a cool... Nashi thrillers, Nashi maybe. thrillers you or something, you could include something like The Sniper, yes. or Sequestro, yeah. or... Um, Mm. My God! This, well, this movie, mm. uh, command, uh, uh, Commando. Uh, although outside of Spain, I don't know how much Commando Texia mm. would really. I don't know if that would travel well, particularly. Mm. Although it's a pretty interesting movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Last Kamikaze. There's yeah. a, there's a lot of these kinds of movies that he did that are Death of a Hoodlum, maybe. Yeah. Death of a Hoodlum. That's a yeah. That's that that would be a good one. I think that yeah. would definitely open some doors as far as mm-hmm. people 
looking at what he was doing in that time period yeah. in a different way. I just but. feel like it might make it a little more sellable than just throwing it out there as just a Nashy film because uh, so much of his audience is still, so many people are still just thinking of him as, oh, it's Nashy Supernatural. That's what we're really all excited about. you know. Yeah. So I think if you could just package them as kind of like, here's Nashy's thrillers, there's a bunch of his crime films, you know, something like that might might make them more... more uh, uh, attractive, you know. And I think so. you're, I think you're right. If you put it together in a package, you can include some of the really, really strong ones, like yeah. Death of a Hoodlum and things yeah, like that. Yeah. With uh, and, and the sniper, mm-hmm. uh, with uh, some some of the lesser ones, like maybe Disco Rojo or something like yeah. that, where you where you you can even throw something like the execu- uh, deny the executioner or something, you yeah. know, which you know is, is one that's overall is not one of his really great films, but it's interesting enough that it would be a nice supplement film to something like this. And it's certainly watching that gives you a, a good straight line from earlier works that he that he wrote yeah. in the in the thriller crime genre mm-hmm. so that you can see him refining certain ideas and getting to yeah. a certain point by the early 90s where mm-hmm. his his scripts are kind of turning on turning on a dime and really focusing in on certain aspects of character that that would be an mm-hmm. interesting thing but um, so we've thrown it out there make it happen you'll need audio commentaries for each of the films <laughs> so enough said <laughs> you know I'm, I'm glad you're here to point things like that out because all I'm thinking is if you were to do double features, what would you pair with what? And you were already like, send us jobs. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, I hadn't thought of it in those terms, but yeah, okay. I'm yeah, a mercenary right. like that. So. <laughs> and, and it's good that one of us is. Yeah, that's right. It just yeah. most of the time it can't be me. I, I can only get excited and thrilled when I find that when I find out something is coming, and I'm like, ooh, ooh, I want to talk about it. I want to talk about it. <laughs> anyway, back to this movie. So of course. Uh, we're then introduced to uh, the police detective who's in charge of mm-hmm. investigating this the murder of this photographer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he and this is this is this is interesting. Um, this is something that I feel is so very seventies in its execution, if not the basic idea. the The detective who's in charge of this investigation is also a friend of Nash's character, Gerard, mm-hmm. and so he calls him <clears throat> to let him know about. What has happened? Yeah, and then Gerard immediately shows up to the crime scene, and the detective, either out of friendship or out of the possibility of getting some inf- some useful information out of him, mm-hmm. lets him stick around long enough for Nash's mm-hmm. character to actually realize that there's st- there's a there's a little bit of the tag end of the 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 the, the roll of film mm-hmm. that got ripped by the ripped off. The off the uh, the wall yeah. by the uh, the killer, mm-hmm. and he notices it and starts looking at it, and so that's essentially a clue that might have possibly been missed without him being there. Mm-hmm. But it's also that kind of thing where you're like, this guy's not a cop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, and him being there and being uh, you tell me. So you tell me the way that like uh, films from that time and before like kind of just like they let people trail along on crime investigations that would never really in real life be allowed to. Yeah, intrude yeah. on crime scenes and trail yeah. along on crime investigations. They would immediately be ex- they would immediately pushed out. <laughs> yeah, sure. pushed out the door mm. with uh, you know a, a street cop yeah. essentially getting all the information and going. You will come down to make yeah. a statement yeah. immediately yeah. with all the information that we need from you, but you do not go into this building. Things mm. like that. But yeah. I've noticed that uh, one of the things you have to accept if you're a fan of the uh, the thriller cop genre mm-hmm. is that sometimes mm-hmm. rules. 
are for idiots. <laughs> well, one of our favorites was uh, pieces where the guy basically enlists the the cop basically enlists the kid yeah. from the college to like you know go into all these dangerous situations and do all this invest looking through all their secret police files and everything to help. Him. Yeah, yes, but then almost nothing about <laughs> pieces. I know makes pieces sense. is not that's kind of low hanging fruit there. <laughs> no, that's that's really. the lowest of low hanging fruit. I mean, there's just nothing, nothing. I mean, there's nothing. It's so it pieces is synonymous with nonsense. It is. So. Yes, it is. But in this case. Because of the friendship between the, or at least the, the, it may, I don't know. I, I Sometimes I think friendship may be the wrong yeah, it's, word. It's more like grudging acquaintance or something. I don't really the, know. Yeah. Well, with, with uh, Commissario Alain, which is our, our, our main uh, cop here. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, another thing too is very true to this genre and, you know, the detectives or main cops always have to have some sort of quirk. Uh, some sort of you know nuance uh, you know a lot of times it's just something some, a lot of times something it's like to, something popping, to, yeah something to substitute or something. for it's something to, it's some kind of character trait it's a it's a substitute for characterization Let's yeah say. in this case Alain has his ulcer apparently his ulcer is what defines him yeah. so his ulcer is kind of his shtick his kind of ongoing shtick of this character is that he's plagued with ulcers well uh, the actor who's playing this uh, this mm-hmm. this character. Is uh, Maximum Valverde, mm-hmm. which sounds like the description of a field. <laughs> yes, it does. Yes, it does. It's extraordinarily green. <laughs> Maximum <laughs> Valverde. <laughs> but he's a Spanish actor that I have to say, a um, number of the people who talk about this movie don't have kind words to say about him as an actor, but i got to be honest, I've only seen him in a few other things. I saw him in uh, Violent Bloodbath, okay. uh, which was made around the same time. Which is uh, a uh, an Amando Diasorio? Uh, uh, oh wait a minute! No, I'm sorry. It's a it's a Jorge Graal. Oh, okay. And it's a nasty little crime film, um, which with is actually, Marissa Mel. Yeah, with you got me there. Yeah, it's 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 definitely worth checking out. It's an interesting little movie. But uh, he was also in uh, Sequestro. Yeah. Sequestro with Nashi. Oh, and Tragic Ceremony for uh, for Ricardo Freda. As well as a movie I'm interested in called Barcelona Kill from 1973. <laughs> the story of a female journalist and her boyfriend who inadvertently get involved with murder and mayhem and must run for their lives, pursued by the Barcelona mob. Ooh, sounds good. Yeah, I know. It sounds uh, sounds like exactly the kind of movie we'd have to watch in just as, just as shitty a print as we had to watch in this movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know. But it has Linda Hayden. Linda Hayden, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Anyway. Sylvia Solar. I know, I know. If you start, if you start thinking about it, you're just like Eduardo Fajardo. Yeah. Why aren't all these movies available for me to see? uh, It sounds like it'd be a great Beyond Nashy. Yeah. It really, yeah, it really kind of does, doesn't it? It's like as soon as something like that catches my eye, it's like, ah, I know. Why did I? Why did I? Why did my eyes stray? Now I am betrayed by my lust to see this film. Oh my goodness! But nevertheless, he is. uh, We we do spend a little bit too much time with him and his wife in their Mm -hmm. home. Mm Uh, you know, talking about his talking about his ulcer, okay. yeah. occasionally talking about the crime, mm-hmm. talking about the the, the continued the, the corpses that continue to stack up throughout yeah. the, the course of this film. Now, I do like her. I do. I do get a kick out of her character. I mean, in the way that she kind of just. Well, I like the way the two of them interact. Yeah, I think they, exactly. They play Those together. Nice. They play together well. Right. You're, you're right that we probably get maybe too much of their thing. Their thing going yeah. on there, kind of. But. Um, I said earlier that I think there I do see a certain point to these scenes, and I think part of it is to contrast with Roland's with Paul Nashi's character Gerard Roland, his loneliness. You know, he's he's yeah. such a lonely, isolated character, and I think Agreed. it's to contrast with what the detective has. What he, for all that he has to deal with, he gets to 
go home to somebody who supports him, who can kind of deflate him a little bit when he's when he's yep. when he's kind of gotten too too full of himself, like she does, you know. And that's the fun. Their part relationship, play, their yeah. relationship is so healthy mm-hmm. on on every level that we can see it. Yeah. That yeah, it is the contrast because Nashi's character is very much the loner. He claims at the beginning that the photographer who was just murdered was his only friend. Yeah, yeah. It's like, really? Because we see you interacting with some other people who seem pretty friendly towards you too. So you, you you know, you you antagonistic douche. Yeah, right. Yeah, and then he then he did, but then he turns right around and talks about how he hadn't seen his talked to the guy in forever. You know, so what does that say about him? You know, exactly. (laughs) If this man was your best friend, it's like, well, what what are you doing? Just sitting at home brooding and drinking? Yeah. Yeah, which. From what we see in the movie, is a possibility. Yeah, I mean, he's yeah, I mean, he's, he's not a a overly likable guy, really. I mean, no. Nash, particularly, I mean, that's intentional. I think to play him that way to show how much this guy has cut himself off from from everybody else, you know, and also says something about it's kind of a it's almost a thing of a, it's a thing that's never said, but why we sort of realize why he had problems with the relationship that he 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 tries to have, you know, the woman he's obsessed over who's who's gone missing, that he his ex or whatever. So right. So what we have here is him. Attempting to connect with his girlfriend, who he apparently mm-hmm. hasn't seen in a couple of days, mm-hmm. goes to where she lives, uh, speaks with her roommate. Uh, the woman is out of pocket, mm-hmm. and he just leaves. He's like, he says, "I've tried to get a hold of her. I can't get yeah. her on the phone. Try, you know, when you see her, have her get hold of me." And this becomes a reoccurring theme for about the first third of the movie, where this woman is completely absent from the narrative, and yet she's talked about almost all the time mm-hmm. by Nashi mm-hmm. and by her mm-hmm. uh, her roommate. Yeah, and here's here's a here's a part where I would love one reason why I'd love to see a and also see a, a really good print of this film is because one of the interesting things I think it does, and you know, and, and Nashi for whatever he said about this director, I don't particularly think this film is that terribly directed. It's not greatly. It's not. It's not. Really, it doesn't impress you yeah, with its directing yeah. either. But I don't think it's for the most part. I don't think it's too inept. I don't think it's really inept either. I don't, I don't, I don't think, think it's inept, but I think it could have been better. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But one thing I think was a neat choice, whether it was in the script or whether it was the cinematographer or the director. But it's hard to appreciate it in this print. But whenever Roland uh, has these flashbacks to his time with his girl, they're yeah. so stylized that you kind of get the idea that that's probably not how it really happened. That it's what he's just seeing. They're very, his, they're very bright. They're bright very even colorful. in this print, and I think it would have contrasted yeah. even more. I, yeah. It kind of reminded me of the same sort of scenes from Blue Eyes of the Broken Doll. Remember A when he has his, when he has yeah. those flashbacks? They're in such an unreal setting. Uh-huh. But you know, and in this, it's like this film is for the most part kind of you know your typical seventies crime thriller, gray kind of you know darkly kind lit, kind of gritty, kind of realistic. Yeah. yeah. But then those fantasy scenes where she's talking to him, and and he and he's seen it as this blissful life that they had together. You know, where they're professing their love for each other but everything's suddenly all bright and I, I i would i think it would stand out even more in a really good print but i think it kind of underscores the whole time you're kind of thinking this is the unreliable narrator sort of thing that these right. probably not he's seeing these things in a way that they probably didn't really happen because we've seen outside what a difficult person he is and 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 scary character he can be and how he's uh quick to anger he's, yeah, he's yeah. quick to make oh, a, a snap yeah. judgment and do something that he'll yeah. regret later on yeah well, here's the thing. He's a journalist in this, of course. And I started wondering when I first started watching, I started thinking, is, is, you know, is this the first time we've seen Paul Nashie as a journalist? And the only other thing I could think of off the top of my head when I was thinking about the past films was he's a journalist in The Transsexual. Yeah. But in that case, he gets into that story starting from the point of he's wanting to just do a an actual story expose or kind of a researching the lives of these people. Whereas, you know, in this film that we're covering here... Um, even though he's a journalist, his journalism 
skills don't really play into the film much. I mean, he's into Not this. Really. He's you know, there's this is a kind of a well. I, I, I would argue that a little bit in that. I mean, he knows the way he, the way he get the, It's mm. his journalistic contacts that are yeah. allowing him to to essentially chase down his girlfriend That's because true. he become, he becomes convinced at a certain point that. His missing girlfriend, or the fact that she is missing, has some connection mm-hmm. to these murders mm-hmm. that are now happening. But this, you know, yeah, I agree. You're right. You're right, and that's a good point. And I think that this type of story goes back at least as far, if not further, than Citizen Kane. You know, but the story yeah. of a, you know, films where they follow the journalist getting deeper and deeper into a story, right. usually either for one or two reasons: one, because it personally affects him like this, or because he's just so involved in. The story, the story pulls him along into into these areas, and in this case of this film, it's it's it, from the very start, it's an emotional connection. Yeah, more than sensing, more than chasing a good story. That's yeah, what drives not, this guy. It's not journalistic instincts or curiosity right. killing the cat. It's yeah. it's very much an emotional connection, and he becomes more and more fevered in his attempts to to unravel this this yeah. thing. The longer the story goes on, because yeah. as more as, as we get more and more of these murders, mm-hmm. and no real answers seem to be. Mm-hmm. be jumping out at anybody mm-hmm. uh, he he becomes I mean with the, I lost count of the number of shots in the movie where uh, he's laying in bed uh, trying to sleep sweaty having uh, you know, having a <laughs> yeah. flashback thinking yeah. rethink, thinking and rethinking about things from his past yeah. some of which seem to have a direct connection to what's going mm-hmm. on and some of them just him being really really pissed off at himself for having screwed up with with, with this woman that he's in love with yeah it, it's an interesting I, I what what do you think about the the what do you think about the flashbacks in general as a as a as a narrative device in this thing because it seems a little uh, I, I I there are times when it seems exactly the kind of thing that a story like this would need to have because it's a standard giallo trope mm-hmm. to throw in mm-hmm. flashbacks or mm-hmm. different you know different approaches of looking at the same sequence of events from a yeah. different person's point of view yeah which. Isn't exactly what's happening here in these mm-hmm. flashbacks. You're just essentially getting kind of more information about different things. That mm-hmm. and the more and the more information yeah. you're getting is about the characters who are involved in these flashbacks. They're not flashbacks of the same scene from different points of view. They're right. they're flashbacks with those same characters, kind of building up mm-hmm. more and more information about how you know whether or not you can trust the character that we're looking at, or whether or not mm-hmm. this person is is perhaps as you said before uh, an unreliable narrator. Mm-hmm. But it, it's it's an interesting thing to see. The flashback structure, the way it's played in this movie, because sometimes it feels exactly the kind of thing that needs to be in a story like this. Because mm. we're so trained by so many giallos to expect the occasional flashback thing that is yeah. that's a it, it's something that sometimes often drives mm. the mystery forward mm. because clues are becoming obvious to the character and the way you visualize this in the film is you have to mm. include those flashbacks so that you can see what they're remembering or you see what they're imagining so that you can get an idea of where their mind is going because mm. there's no one around in these instances mm. it's always a solo scene because it can't be if, if, there's, if they start, immediately start talking to somebody about it then the story is then eliminating yeah. the, the, the possibility that the person that they're talking to is uh, a suspect yeah so you have to be. It has to be an internalized thing. It has to be something that's solo. So that having those flashbacks be a, a visual representation of what the character's thinking is the best way to go. And sometimes, unfortunately, in mm. this movie, and this happens mm. in the occasional giallo, you'll have a flashback, mm. and you, while it's happening, go, "Why are we seeing this?" Yeah. 
Yeah. And it never has that feeling of like, yeah, because like you're talking about flashbacks where they kind of give you a little more with each flashback right. until maybe at some point it tells you a flashback and it totally turns something on its head or it totally right. really, really does Reveals a piece of information yeah. that should have been in evidence before, yeah. but it just hasn't, hasn't either clicked in your head or we've mm. not, sh- we've not seen enough of the, uh, the, the whole, of the, the whole picture, the whole mosaic of what's going on. Mm. But in some giallos, there will be the occasional flashback while that, and while you're seeing it, you go, why are we watching this? Mm-hmm. But by the end of the, by the wrap up, you realize, Oh, that's yeah. this piece. That's this piece that now fits into place. But in other giallos, mm. if you think back on it, you go, there was no reason for that flashback. That didn't fit into it at <laughs> yeah. all. That, that, that had nothing yeah. to do with it. And sometimes I guess it's the, it's an attempt to insert a red herring of a time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, I, I, I can't call it a cheat no. of a red herring. I mean, because red herrings are, I mean, they are what they are. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Sure. They're there to they're mm-hmm. they're there to throw you the mm-hmm. the the mystery sensitive viewer mm-hmm. off the track so that mm-hmm. your your attention wavers from uh, the possible correct answer mm-hmm. to someone else. But at the same time, it's uh there there are some flashbacks in this movie, almost all of them focusing on um Elvira. Yeah, yeah, on Elvira, the the girlfriend character, mm-hmm. where you're sitting there thinking to yourself, is this really adding anything to it? Mm-hmm. And then at the end, I will just say that there are some of those flashbacks that really don't. Let's let's say, I'll put it this way: there could have been about a third fewer flashbacks to give us the same I, amount of information that we really needed to get. And I would to. agree with that. I think it's okay if there had been to have them to a point, but I do think that it's the same way with the the, the uh, and, and you know the commissioner and his wife. You know, it's it's like maybe yeah. too, went to that well one too many. You know, maybe to make the point. Of, you know, didn't have to see that much of that either. So. Yeah, as much as I enjoy, like I said, I enjoyed the interplay between yeah. Herta Miller and uh, well, yeah. uh, Maximo Valverde. I think they do they they do a yeah. good job together. They're 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 a good pair on screen. But yeah, you're right. And I just and I just love Myrta Miller. She's always been one of my yeah. favorite of, of the 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 uh, Euro horrors, you know, actresses, you know. And I think it may be what I always talked about her bat wing eyebrows, you know, and and that red <laughs> hair, you know. But she's just always just and she's good in this. I always just love seeing her. So yeah, that definitely makes it easier, you know, to. to to, to enjoy those scenes. By the way, as a, just to decide, I have to go and say this. You know, when you know how you know when you've seen, watched a film too many times is realizing that the scene where she's, you know, trying to seduce the commissioner, trying to seduce her husband, and she's being in her nightgown. And not, did you realize that that's the exact same nightgown she wears in Count Dracula's Great Love? Oh my God! Is it that green nightgown? Because I, and I, I, I saw it, and my first thought was, "Is that the one?" Because I remembered how in Count Dracula's Great Love, how great that green nightgown goes with her red hair. It's obviously, you know, yeah, they purposely yeah. chose that. And so I thought, are they just picking another green nightgown? Because again, it just it, it complements it her goes so well. With the red hair, or just yeah. but I said, but I think that's the same one. So through the magic of the internet, of course. <laughs> I went and just looked up images from Count Dracula's Great Love, and immediately there's a scene out there, and it's the exact same nightgown. Uh, which <laughs> that's nuts. Which tells you two, one of two things: one, either you know they they were drawing from the same costume shop, you know, or same costume studio, you know, selection for this, or, or she it's kept her, the costume, yeah, you know, and sometimes she may have it, kept it, yeah. well, or provided in the first place. I mean, sometimes in films of lower budget, it's not uncommon for actors to be asked to provide their own wardrobe, and so it could sometimes, have even been hers. Yeah. And but I just thought, well, I saw that. But I thought, see, okay, that's the that's the thing. I would think I would. It would be my guess that the the costumes were provided in Count Dracula's Great Love because in the scene you're talking about where she's wearing the green that, that green yeah. nightgown, uh, the whole point of that scene yeah. is that those three actresses 
mm-hmm. are dressed in different colors. Yeah, that white, you know, pink, and green. That's right, about, yeah. right, right. And, and it's it's very specific to yeah. their skin tone, and the whole yeah. idea is to provide. I mean, it, that's one of the most beautiful little color colorful oh, structures within yeah. the the visuals <laughs> of that movie, and so. I, wow, that's yeah. I know. That's when I saw. I was just. Oh, you're right. She may have just kept her the gown from that Who shooting. Knows? But, but I just thought to myself, I was thinking like, okay, I now that's I've seen that film. When you think those kind of things, you spot those kind of things. You know, you've seen a film <laughs> too many times. Well, yeah. add, add that add that question to the long list of questions for Murder Miller. Exactly. If we ever got if we ever got to interview her, but, <laughs> oh my, I, I got to thinking recently because we were talking about. Uh, we're talking about Julia Sali as an aside, mm-hmm. and I got to thinking it's like all the all the the, the myriad of questions. Oh it's gosh. like the two dozen questions that I would want to ask her that are very specific questions about her career and very mm-hmm. specific mm-hmm. things about her her years in, in the movies. And it's like no matter who, if anybody ever got to interview oh. her, I have two dozen questions that I know nobody is ever going to ask. Exactly, her. exactly. And it's like who knows if she would have memory enough to be able to you know really answer these questions at all. It's just, I guess it's the same with Murder Miller or yeah, almost anyone yeah. from this period. I mean, yeah, so, yeah. Know. Well, I can pretty much guarantee you no one's going to ask her, is that the same green nightgown you wear? Unless it's me, unless I'm the one that gets it. Well, no, that here's here. the thing. That might be something so weird that she'd remember it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're using the same green nightgown yeah, in two yeah. different movies? Yeah. I mean, it might be this kind of thing where she was like, oh, well, yeah, let me tell you the story. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Well, we've talked about how uh, the girlfriend character uh, is so is so out of the movie for such, mm-hmm. such a long period of time, except for the flashbacks. Yeah, that uh, it started to make me feel. And I don't know if this is. I don't know if you thought this, but it started to feel a little bit like. Uh, what happens in the third man where uh, yes, we talk uh, and talk and yeah. talk about Harry Lyme. Yeah, right. Yeah. Long before we finally meet the Orson Welles character. Yeah, very good point. I hadn't thought about that, but you're right. It's very much that kind of thing. This person has become so talked about in the film that there's just presence through the film. Right. You know. And to the point where yeah. and the and the idea, I think, may be not necessarily what gets what what happens with Harry Lyme in that mm. film, but more along the lines of we're talking about this woman, we're talking about this woman, we're talking about this woman. Mm-hmm. Is she still alive? Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, right. And yeah. it's something that's, that the yeah. film plays with a little bit. It does. That the idea that she might, and it, to, the, to the point where a character at one point actually does say that they're a little concerned that they that she hasn't turned up yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And well, I think it's also supposed to certainly feed the idea of her as another potential suspect in our in our minds as well. Or a potential victim, right? Which yeah, I think yeah. is which I think is also pretty interesting because then if you start thinking down that road, it's like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So are all these fevered flashbacks that we're getting from Nashi's 
journalist character mm-hmm. wrapped around the fact that he's trying to it, 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 that, that he's avoiding thinking about the fact that he's killed his girlfriend mm-hmm. out of, in mm-hmm. some fit of jealousy yeah because the, the the conversations with the roommate character who's very obviously very interested in in, in betting mm-hmm. Gerard as well right because this is of course a Nashi it's, film it's and he wrote the script so, so yes. of course <laughs> all the women want to have sex with Nashi <laughs> but <laughs> the question becomes is she a victim? Mm-hmm. Is she the perpetrator? And is that why? You know, in other words, is that why she's off stage? Is she dead? Are we gonna? Is it gonna be revealed? You know, crap. We find the body somewhere. Um, but the the film plays a, plays a much more interesting game with that than mm-hmm. I actually. I, I assumed it was gonna be one of those two, and we get a slightly more interesting idea there. Uh, did you notice there's there's something about this? <laughs> there's a film just made a few years before this. That this seems to be attempting to kind of ape in style and in kind of the way it's structuring itself with these weird flashbacks. It seems to kind of be, it reminded me a little bit of All the Colors of the Dark, the Sergio Martino film. Mm, okay. Um, in the, uh, not, not that we got a bunch of hippies, right. <laughs> some, some, some weird drug taking or something like that going on, but uh, we do have. Uh, a similar attempt at the style mm-hmm. that Martino used in All the Colors of the Dark. Oh, uh, not nearly as effectively. Right, no. Uh, Martino, <laughs> Martino's a, a league's better director oh, yeah, yeah. than this film had, mm-hmm. uh, without a doubt. Yeah. But uh, I found that interesting. I also, uh, I'm kind of... <laughs> kind of curious what you think about this because Nashi's character mm-hmm. is presented as someone who has been a boxer in the past. Mm-hmm. He's very athletic. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see his stunt double uh, doing some pretty interesting stuff, yeah. <laughs> including, <laughs> yeah. you know, pulling himself up, uh, uh, pulling himself up onto a balcony at one point to break into a, mm-hmm. an apartment to, mm-hmm. you know, continuing to continue his investigations. Uh, but I w- and, and he does, you know, get into a number of fistfights in this movie. Well, he's very much a bull in the china shop kind of thing, and he just kind of, you know, barges his way into yep. really bad situations where he's hopelessly outnumbered, you know. And, and then and he, gets the holy living shit yeah, beat out yeah, of himself. Yeah, but and then we, recovers really quickly with barely a mark on him, you know. But, uh, <laughs> but well, that's it's a movie. I mean, so yeah, anyway, sure, sure. What, what do you expect at that point? But uh, I really did, there came a certain point after the second time he gets his ass handed <laughs> yeah, to him where yeah. I was like, Jesus, his character just gets gets beat up a yeah. lot. Yeah, yeah. And it, yeah, he does good for a while, but I mean, he's always going against like three or four guys. I mean, the odds are just you know, it's, I know. it's, it's just eventually. It's like, kinda, and one of those times where he's handing yeah. his ass, which I think yeah. is like the third time yeah. he's, he's yeah. beat the hell up. Yeah, it's like that's one time where you're like, okay, I mean, you know, you mm. put you've pushed on the wrong. Yeah, you've you've, put, yeah. you've asked the wrong questions about the this mm. rich industrialist biz, businessman who seems mm. to be tangentially related to. A possibly a relationship of some mm-hmm. sort mm-hmm. involving um, blackmail with your mm-hmm. girlfriend, and possibly mm-hmm. also connected to these murders, mm-hmm. especially the murder of the photographer, because something seems to be going on there. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, th- the fact that this guy, you know, hire you know hires some goons to beat the hell out of him. Okay, that's the one where you're like, okay, well, there's not really any way that this mm-hmm. investigative reporter could have avoided that one because yeah. he's asking questions the wrong yeah. way. He is being yeah. that you know that questioning bull in a china shop, as mm-hmm. you as you said. But at the same time, he also was just like there came a point when I was like, is he just looking for people to beat the shit out of him? <laughs> yeah. He just hunt, I think that guy. Yeah, and is it part of his? Yeah, and is it part of his self-loathing? Is there something that he thrives on with? It just you know yes. that that he's just punishing himself for endlessly with this kind of stuff. And it's at this point the reason I bring that up, and you you hit the nail on the head. Mm-hmm. The way Nash is playing this character, first of all, I like I like his characterization. I like how he's, yeah, he's good. I like he's how he's 
I like how he's portraying the character. Yeah. And it makes me think that one of the frustrations Nashy had with this is that he really seems to be working his ass off to play a nuanced character, a character who, although quote unquote the hero of the story mm-hmm. to a degree, he's also definitely not a completely likable guy. Yeah. Yeah. At this point, by the time he makes this movie, he is primarily known as a as a as a film you know as a film star for playing uh, you know tortured, sympathetic mm-hmm. characters. Mm-hmm. That that is in general his, if for lack of a better term, shtick. That's yeah. what he's kind of known for. Yeah. So getting a chance, as he does in these crime films instead of the horror movies, to play mm-hmm. a very nuanced character and to have had the opportunity to write the script and to kind of cast himself into that position and to write that nuanced kind of character for himself and to work his ass off and then to feel that the movie got sabotaged by the director mm-hmm. and the yeah. producer and the people who are involved mm-hmm. behind the camera. That that has to have been the, the I think, that mm-hmm. if you were to, to dig into it and start asking for specifics, that has to be the thing that's really the nub of it, which is that he feels like he, at least I, I would think, mm-hmm. he has to have felt like he worked his ass off to put yeah. a really good performance on yeah. screen. Yeah. And then it gets shit canned to a degree mm-hmm. by things outside of his control. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Which I, 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 mean, think, which, I, I can I, I can see that. Which I think I think maybe I wonder if he was I kind of wonder if part of his irritation was maybe the way some certain story elements were handled. Well, I think because so, yeah. I feel there's some clumsiness in in, in some of there the story is. details, and I know some of them we can't talk about, but yeah. Well, let's, let's talk. Let's talk about one of them. Okay. Um, the roommate character. Mm-hmm. The roommate character for the for the plot to work, the roommate character has to not tell him something she knows about his girlfriend. Yeah. Okay. Until they actually manage to sleep with each other. Yeah. And then she opens up and tells him this thing that she should, that she promised her roommate, his girlfriend, that she would not tell him. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where this character should have known that things were going to go a lot better if she went ahead and imparted at least part of this information to Nashi's character earlier in the story. Mm-hmm. It would have, it would have allowed him to avoid. At least one ass kicking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> <Okay>? yeah. <laughs> right. But the that is a clumsiness in that mm. we're the we're asked to believe a character is spending most of the movie wrestling with the fact that she's keeping something from this guy that would be of extreme help in what he's trying to accomplish, and only after you know they have sex together is she willing to spill the beans. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's like I understand that that you know from a from a male perspective that ah yes the, <laughs> the woman after after the sexual congress will now will now <laughs> feel feel trusting enough to tell the male the secret information yeah. that will yeah. allow the wizard to do mm. the thing that the wizard needs to is like no it's like it's it's the let, let, let's just say without giving anything away. This character is smart enough. The, the 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 roommate character is smart enough to have known that giving this information was probably a really good idea days before yeah. she does it. Yeah. So yeah. that's one of the bits of clumsiness that I mm. that I feel is there in the plotting. Mm. And uh, I'm I don't know. We we don't know. We will never mm. know. Really, I guess what the changes that were made that mm. really frustrated and pissed Nashi mm. off. Mm. Whether that was something that he built in as a flaw. Mm-hmm. Without thinking of it as a flaw, mm-hmm. because I mean, any writer can get lost, yeah. especially when you're doing a murder mystery. You can yeah. get lost yeah. 
and the plotting in a way that from the outside makes characters do things that don't seem logical or smart. Yeah. There are some there are towards as we race towards the finish, there's there's a couple of leaps of logic along the way too. Yes. And there are scenes that kinda that are a little like, okay, that 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 was you know, that was kind of yeah. thin there, you know, to get to where we need to go. And, it, and yeah. it's in a movie that is relied so heavily upon expository flashbacks, mm-hmm. there's at least one moment one of those moments where mm-hmm. you're like could we have gotten an expository flashback there to, yeah. to, to let us know what mm. it was that he what he mm. that, that he thought about right yeah. there? Because yeah. that would be a good idea. And there's one scene where, and again, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure I saw this. I think there's a scene where Roland gets actually shot by the killer. Yes, and then has no. I thought they. I thought it got shot like in the side. Well, yeah, it looked like someplace that would put you out for a while, you know. And yet, in the very next scene, he never shows any. Other than the fact that he goes down when he's shot, from then the rest of the film makes no reference. He's not shown at all, hurting at all from being shot, and it just well, made me wonder. Well, until yeah. well, yes, but I mean, it's it's like, but it maybe you know, but when it's when it's convenient, yes, he, he seemed like he, yeah, it just seemed almost made me feel like that the things were filmed. It may have been filmed out of sequence, which is the way films are made, but it seems to me like somebody lost the thread, like like there was a yes, continuity yeah. problem there. Exactly. In there, that that I think was just a part of, again, just kind of a little lackadaisical, uh, not as tight a rein on things as should have been had. Yeah, it does seem that uh, that production problems might have mm. interfered with getting the script on mm. film the mm. way it probably should have been done. Yeah. But. Here's something that bothered me. I want to see if it bothered you, because to me, I don't know, I have no idea, again, whose fault this was, and maybe I'm... Maybe I shouldn't be as inordinately disturbed by it as I was or just frustrated by it. But one of the first things that happens in the film when the photographer's shot is his film is stolen. Right. Okay. When you that's almost like a version of was the Chekhov's gun, you know, if you introduce it in Act One, you gotta <laughs> fire it. If you yeah, show a photos yeah. being stolen in the first of a film, at some point You gotta show us the picture what's in the photos. Now yeah. we do find out by talking, we find out what those photos revealed. We never actually we never see, see the, the photos. photos. To me, that's a to me that's a kind of a you're dropping. That's like a yeah, 101. Right. That's like mystery. That's almost giallo. I mean, that's yeah. visual storytelling 101 yeah. to a degree, especially yeah. in a giallo. Yeah. yeah, you've got to have the you know. Now, admittedly, in this print, we wouldn't been able to tell what's in the photo anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's like come on, you you've got to show at some point in the film. You've got to show that photo. You know. It's well, just, it's so it's so weird. There's a couple of photos that we get that. Are, that, are, that are shown to people in the yeah. movie just as little asides, things that don't yeah. really necessarily right. add yeah. anything to the plot that are yeah. clear as day. Yeah. Like, yeah. like when uh, the, the photographer, come, there's this flashback where he's coming, coming out of an elevator and pulls out this photo to show to Nash's character and it's a yeah. fucking, it's like a, it's like a gorilla. Yeah. <laughs> and, he's yeah. like, and he's just giggling and laughing because yeah. he thinks it's hilarious while Nash's character looks at him like he's a lunatic and it's just like, <laughs> We could see that picture just fine, <laughs> but when we or when the face of the guy in the fedora and the trench coat is revealed, it's mm-hmm. like uh, you know, or yeah. the person at the restaurant who's right. dressed in that same yeah. way, it's right. like we yeah. don't we don't get that picture. We don't get yeah. to see that picture yeah. at all. That's yeah, not shown. exactly. It's like you you find out why it was stolen, you know. But it's like you you could have it. You know, you're supposed to have the scene where at some point somebody finds it and like, oh my god, that's why it was stolen. And, oh and, my and Lord, instead, it's just, now, instead yeah. somebody just talks about it. So anyway, that just <laughs> that just bothered me. I don't know. <laughs> To, I, I can completely comprehend it. Yes. Yes, well, we've already told you that we're not really going to, yeah. we're not going to, we're going to tell you who lives and who dies and who the murderer was because uh, it, it, it's, I know, I know that the chances of most people listening to our voices right now, seeking this movie out, being able to find it and watching it, 
are 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 very very slim. But we, I, I do I, as as I get older, I do feel the the need to not spoil yeah. quite so many movies yeah. anymore. Sure, yeah. Uh, if there's a Blu-ray out there or a really good DVD that's been around for years, there's yeah. a certain tendency for me to just think, uh, you know, if you want to see this, you could see this. Yeah. This one's a little more difficult. Mm-hmm. And so I tend to want to err on the side of not giving away certain things because I I do kind of I do I, I have to admit I like the ending. It's weird. It is weird. It's a weird ending. <laughs> as only again as only Euro crime or Euro films could end in a weird and it's it's that level of weird <laughs> where it's like almost feels not just the way they ended but almost feels like they cut it like one frame too soon or two it's just like bizarre feeling I know it's, I know, it's like, it's, uh, like no. it's like did they run out of film did it just run out of the camera and they're like we don't have any more it's over I mean it's that kind of did, did they get tired of ending they just decided oh fuck it it's 80 some odd minutes long we're done <laughs> <laughs> wrap, 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 this, wrap this thing up and send it to a theater. Get it out of here. I don't know. But, okay, so we, we've talked about uh, how I, the, the, the good, the bad, mm. the, the kind of odd, mm. how little we can make for firm, satisfactory judgment to the film because of the print that's available. But I did enjoy this enough uh, yeah. to rule it somewhere in the on the 1 to 10 scale, kind of somewhere between a 5 and a 6. Mm-hmm. Because... It's clear there's enough there for this movie to be pretty good yeah. if we had a really good looking yeah. print of it. It's worth salvaging. It's it's it, worth yeah. You know, this yeah. is one that I would I would want to let's let's put it this way. I think that this would be a more interesting view if you had perfect prints of yeah. both this and say Disco Rojo. Mm-hmm. This would be a more interesting watch than Disco Rojo. I think so too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Disco Rojo might be a slightly better film from mm-hmm. a construction point mm-hmm. and maybe even mm-hmm. a direction point mm-hmm. at times. But this would be the more interesting movie to watch, yeah. Just because of the elements and the story it's telling, and how yeah. the the fla- the weird flashbacks and and mm. like I say, a good print of it probably going to reveal some interesting visuals mm. that are being kind of hidden mm. in um, this crappy ass print. Yeah, yeah. But so uh, somewhere between a five and a six, with the knowledge that I, I think I may have even posted this on on uh, Facebook around the web, just kind of saying, you know, this is a movie that I think that if we had a really good print. The generalized IMDb opinion of this movie, which is like a four point three, would probably go up. Yeah, yeah, and I and I I, I gave it a six, you know, yeah, and it was yeah. for that reason, the reason that I would be totally willing to watch it again in a you know in a better print that I feel it's worthy of a better print being out there, you know. Um, is, it's worthy is of attention, I, I think. I think it is too. I mean, it doesn't it it doesn't bring anything new to. The genres it's playing with there. No. Uh, most everything in it has been done and probably done better in other places. But it's a pleasure for Nashy fans because he's very good in it. Yes, and it's an interesting enough story. I mean, it's 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 interesting enough story that that I think it at least keeps you interested in what's going on and uh, through it and, and 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 invested in finding out. You know what is the solution to the mystery? Oh, and I was so, I was very curious. Yes, yeah, yeah. I was very curious watching this the first mm-hmm. time. Going, mm-hmm. well, you know, we, yeah. well, I, I'm pretty sure. I, mm-hmm. You know, mentally, I was like, well, I think I've eliminated this character. I've eliminated that character. Right. But I did keep waiting for them to pull some really mm-hmm. bizarrely unexpected thing. Like it's Marta Miller. Yeah, you know, it's like yeah, just some like well, talk about bizarre, and we didn't mention her. Another uh, one of the Nashi verse uh, um, uh, players, uh, Blanca Estrada. Oh, true, true. Uh, that. She's killed, you know, her character's killed pretty early, early on. Early on, yeah. And then she shows up in a vision of 
Roland's wearing a black wig, and then he later actually runs across her. It's the fashion shot we were talking about on these steps, the Parisian steps. Yeah. And it's a scene that means nothing and goes nowhere. She just basically says, oh, that was my sister. Now get out of get out of here so I can do my photo shoot. And it's just, why was that there? <laughs> That's totally pointless. I, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it, it, you're right. It makes zero, zero, zero sense. Uh, we, uh, before we go, I did, want, I did want to point out that the actress who plays Elvira, the girlfriend character, mm-hmm. uh, her name is Rosa Valenti. She uh, she was in a she was in a few movies that I've enjoyed. She ended up doing a lot of uh, in the nineties. She ended up doing a lot of Spanish television. Uh-huh. But she was in uh, a few interesting movies in the seventies, uh, including The Vermin, which is uh, an interesting yeah. Osorio film. Uh, not a great Amanda Osorio film, but it's it's a, it's a crime movie, mm-hmm. and it's it's man, it's a it's a it's a nasty little story. <laughs> I bet. But it's 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 worth checking out, and she's in that, and uh, she was also uh, she had a role in uh, Cross of the Devil, which uh, is the film cool. that Nashi wrote, but then mm-hmm. uh, wasn't involved in the production of. Uh, so, few you know mm-hmm. few little connections here and there to the Spanish horror world for that actress, but. Uh, yeah, she's uh, she's very she's very attractive in this movie. She's one of those she's she's featured in this movie in a way that, that points to her being some kind of idealized female for the the sweaty nasty nasty <laughs> character as he freaks out, yeah. has flashbacks, and yeah. drinks too much, and does the things that he shouldn't be doing. But this is uh, an interesting nasty film, one that I'm now glad that we've been able to see. Yeah, and uh, I'll say too for the. For the more salacious of you out there, just well, you mentioned earlier that there's that if you're looking for gore, this is not your film. No, if you're looking for nudity, it's not either. I can tell you this though, I there are so many opportunities to have filmed unclothed versions that I can I can almost guarantee you that yeah. they did. However, I can't see any evidence that this was released anywhere other than Spain, and so I don't know if any of that stuff was ever seen anywhere. But I can, and it probably doesn't exist anymore. But I just almost sure that there was unclothed version of this these scenes filmed because there's so many places where you could do that. In oh, the yeah. Film. Yeah, there's at least four sequences I could think of, mm-hmm. and there might, and, and mm-hmm. might have been more, yeah. depending on how salacious Murder mm-hmm. Miller scenes with the husband mm-hmm. character got. Right. So, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, I was thinking that a couple of times as well. There's scenes with, you know, very little clothing on, but no actual nudity, so, yeah. So, uh, in other words, <laughs> all of you filthy-minded bastards, dial, <laughs> dial your expectations a little bit yes, lower yes, on might, that yeah. scale right, if you right. uh, if you uh, go a seeking this movie. So, that will be uh, All the Screams of Silence, yeah. 1975, am I right? Yep. Or, as we said, maybe 1974. It is hard to tell with some of these films. <laughs> yeah, di- di- different places have different uh, have different release dates. It's hard It's hard to know, depending. And, of course, like I say, if we ever... Uh, we ever get any of these nasty crime films on Blu-ray? I wouldn't mind if this was one of them. Me either. Not at all. All right. Well, uh, we'll be back with uh, some letters from the mailbag in just a moment. I am Dr. Lee Cushing. Welcome to my Chamber of Horrors. Dr. Cushing's Chamber of Horrors is a monster rally novel in the tradition of the classic Universal and Hammer horror film. It's written by Stephen D. Sullivan, the award-winning author of White Zombie, Daikaiju Attack, Manos the Hands of Fate, and one of the creators of the original chill role-playing game. This book recreates the thrills of the classic monster versus monster film. We've got vampires, werewolves, mummies, psychic twins, scheming madmen, and plenty of unexpected chills. 
Now you can get Dr. Cushing's Chamber of Horrors in print or for Kindle at Amazon.com and other fine retailers. Coming soon in other ebook formats. Find out more at CushingHorrors.com or SDSullivan.com and support Steve's work through Patreon at PaySteve.com. I do hope you've enjoyed your visit. Please come again. And remember, the chamber is always waiting for its next victim. Just how drunk are we gonna get? Welcome to Good Beer, Bad Movie Night, where each month we drink finely crafted brews while watching terrible films in order to see just how drunk you have to get to enjoy them. So tune in and join Troy. Killboy Kreitz. <laughs> oh, that was pretty good. Thank you. <laughs> Dave. I have the weirdest boner. And Pete. IPAs are ales, meaning they are bottom fermented. Excuse me, they are top fermented. I f that up. <laughs> As we drag Kathleen. Hear me. Kicking and screaming through an alcohol-fueled podcast dedicated to movies of questionable quality and the frosty adult beverages that help make them tolerable. Good beer, bad movie night. Clearly, it's the beer's fault. All right, back in time for the mailbag. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got uh, a few pieces here. Uh, yep. Let's see. Let's start with a uh, piece from Matthew, a uh, regular correspondent and actually a uh, past guest on the show. Uh, he says, Rod and Troy, just wanted to sh- uh, shoot out a very brief bit of feedback on the recent Shadows of Blood episode. Yo, big props to the two of you. You managed to make a discussion of a legit FUBAR stupid-ass film (laughs) to be genuinely enjoyable slash thought-provoking. The very fact that you guys decided to cover this one is merit-worthy in and of itself. Anyway, hope you're doing well. Dasvidanya and soup. (laughs) Yours, Matthew Kowalski. Soup. <laughs> Thank you. That will be, yeah, that's going to be right up there with chemotrodes as a new uh, new buzzword for the Nashi cast there. will <laughs> add it to the, to the list of things like Nashi Musk. Nashi, exactly. All, all fans of the Nashi man must keep in mind as they as they peruse his films. Uh, let's see. Next up, we have, uh, oh, Kurt wrote back to us. Oh, yeah, yeah. Kurt Kurt that's hanging out with the island monkeys there, I think, you know, right? <laughs> In Sumatra, yeah. In Sumatra, yeah. He says, fellas, hi, it's Kurt from Sumatra. It was a real gas hearing your voices reading and discussing my life story last episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wafting across the seas to my little place in the sun here. My wife thinks I'm famous now. (laughs) Thanks so much for doing that and all the positive comments. And by the by, due to the combination of a sudden price drop and a random coupon thrown to me, the Shout Factory Nashi Collection Volume 2 went down to 35 bucks on Amazon for a day. So I bit, and now that collection 2 is winging its way east to me. So the purchasing dilemma that started this whole email exchange turned out to be unexpectedly Mm short-lived. But thanks again for addressing it on your show. All right, guys, keep potting along. I'll keep potting along. (laughs) I I, I thought prodding. I was thinking plotting. I was like, do we sound plotting? (laughs) (laughs) The world, even in its strange and far by-off ways, is listening. Yes. Oh, thank you, Kurt. That's 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 really sweet. Any anytime we can talk to someone from Sumatra, I guess yeah. we'll do it. Yeah. And yeah. since you're the only person that we know that fits that description, it's pretty easy to do. I think he's the only person living there. It's just him and the monkeys. <laughs> well, he's got a wife. Oh, that's true. Him and his wife and the monkeys. Yeah. In uh, Sumatra. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next up, we've got a bit of a voicemail from the aforementioned Adrian, Adrian Smith Adrian from across Smith. the pond. Friend of the Queen and uh, friend of the podcast. <laughs> friend of the Queen. <laughs> Have we accused him of that before? <laughs> I don't know. I think I have. Maybe he would. He, he's 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 being all stiff upper lip about it though. So, <laughs> hi guys, Adrian here with a quick message. Just listened to your podcast on the 
rather bizarre sounding VHS epic, Shadows of Blood. Um, they sounded like there was a lot of blood, but I didn't really hear much mention of any shadows. Uh, <laughs> not quite sure where that bit comes in from. But anyway, you mentioned something at the end, which I thought was a great idea. So I'm going to propose that you two host a live commentary of this film uh, as a Facebook event. If it's on YouTube anyway, then that should be easy enough to do. And uh, we could all tune in and listen to you two talk us through the film, because I think that's probably the only way I could handle watching it, uh, is with you there holding our hands. So yeah, that's my great idea based on something that um, one of you suggested at the end of the podcast. Uh, so yeah, live Facebook event, you guys talking us through the movie, I would definitely tune in for that. Uh, in the meantime, I've got nothing else Paul Nashy related to say. Um, I did, um, I don't know if I mentioned this before, I did buy the um, Japanese one. What's that called? The Beast and the Magic Sword. <laughs> Very entertaining film. I haven't watched it with your commentary yet, though, I'm afraid, but that is on my list. Anyway, keep up the great work. Uh, maybe one day I'll watch another Paul Nashi film. But uh, maybe that film will be Shadows of Blood. Okay, thanks, guys. Bye. Okay, so <clears throat> thank you, Adrian. Uh, I've had this thought before, and, and hearing Adrian's voice, makes me, voice message makes me think of that. It makes this thought again is that uh, based on the response, based on his suggestion, just the overall response we got to Shadows of Blood episode makes me realize that our listeners just really love to hear us suffer, I think. <laughs> I think that's their overriding. They seem to get the most enjoyment <laughs> out of hearing us confronted with... You may be right. Yeah, things. I don't know. <laughs> but I do think there's some merit to his idea. There is. That Not is. necessarily a live stream, but I, the idea that Shadows of Blood is floating out there, readily available on... Uh, on YouTube as uh, mm -hmm. as as a video, we could very easily do a commentary for Shadows of Blood and just mm -hmm. throw it up with mm -hmm. the uh, throw it up with the film uh, there on YouTube. I think that, that that is something that we may need to look into. I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. If any and if anybody has any like technical expertise on doing such a thing overall, you know, whether what we're talking about or whether what Adrian suggests, you know, some way to make that. You know, happen. We're a little technically challenged, but we've figured out things as we, <laughs> we've certainly room, figured out yeah. things as we go. So, uh, if anybody has any thoughts on that, uh, send them send them our way, and maybe we can do that. I'm sorry. Let's put it this way: neither of us are against the idea. Uh, it sounds like it could be yeah. fun, mm -hmm. and that would really be the only Nashy film in total that right. we would do that way. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we're not we're not against mm -hmm. that at all. That's not yeah. a bad idea. Yeah. It just you know it, it, we want to see a show of hands of who's willing to suffer with us because that's the whole thing is we're not going to do this unless you're all willing to <laughs> unless you actually want to hear torture. us. Yeah. Unless yeah. you actually <laughs> want to hear us go through the entire running time of Shadows of Blood, <sighs> and and stare at the screen and be. Well, stunned and stunned in wonderment at what we're what we're all witnessing at the same time. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's uh, let's let's see what you have to say about this, folks. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. One more here, sent by uh, Lee. Says, uh, "Well, it's me again, the big mouth who said how the devil probably wouldn't be released due to Nashi's copyright infringing monster makeup." 
I just hope I'm not right for once and it's okie dokie with Universal and I get to see a decent print without the picture going wonky and tracking coming up. I did listen to the recommended Finding, Dra- uh, Finding Drago podcast and it was one of the most incredible things I've ever heard. By episode three, I was convinced it was all a hoax, completely scripted or even ARG, but the truth was even stranger. The part where Alexi wears a wire to interview a librarian <laughs> made me stop in the street and cry with laughter. That yes, is that is amazing. Absolutely it's fantastic. People, once again, as we said in the uh, the Shadows of Blood episode, you need to you need to listen to the podcast Finding Drago, the the second season where they talk about um, Sir Sydney, uh, Lord Sidney Ling, <laughs> which leads to a brief discussion of Shadows of Blood. You really must. It is a completely hysterical podcast. It's wonderful. Okay, back to back to Lee's email. He says, uh, uh, "I thought people would think me bad, <laughs> but everybody else is dead. So, everybody else is dead, so it worked out fine." <laughs> I also recommended highly, and also the documentary author the J.T. Leroy story, which has some very interesting parallels. I have heard about oh, that, yeah? but I don't know that it tells, so I need to check that out. Uh, okay, back to Lee's email. He says, uh, "And after praising other podcasts, I suppose I should thank you both for yours." Which I won't, as the last one led me to watch Shadows of Blood. (laughs) I'll thank you for everything else which has kept me entertained in this time of worldwide crisis. He says, I refer to the Kim Kanye divorce, of course. (laughs) Thank you, Rod and Troy, from Lee. Uh, Thank you, Lee. Lee. Now, when he mentions that everybody else is dead, I wonder if it's because he's basically coming across them and strangling them all in five seconds, like in Shadows of Blood, (laughs) just random people on the street. There's a skater. Let's kill him. Let's strangle him instantly. I wonder if there are people who live in Amsterdam who, you know, somehow, you know, were walking on the streets and ended up in the backgrounds of some of these shots and and if if stumbled across this movie, go, holy crap, there I am. (laughs) Yeah. 30 some years ago that's me yeah that's a good point <laughs> oh yeah my goodness well thank you very much for writing everyone yeah uh, absolutely remember you too can do what adrian did and record yourself if you want to send it to us as a voicemail or you can tap 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 things mm-hmm. out in the mm-hmm. standard typewriter type way and uh, get things to us i guess it's you can even thumb it thumb it now via the, via, the, it, yeah. via the text screen thing anytime you would like we'd love to hear from you the email address is the Bloody Pit. No, that's the other show. That's the other show. That's right. Now you just you you did that on purpose to drop a plug. Yes, for your other yes, show. I did. Nashycast at gmail dot com, and uh, we'll be glad to hear from you if you've got some comments on this movie, which is not as easy to see as Shadows of Blood, because of course Shadows of Blood is just sitting there on YouTube for anybody who wants to. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Suffer. Yeah. I guess is the correct word. Drop us a line. Let us know what you got to say. Uh, we've got more Nashy shenanigans in the offing very soon, although I do think the next episode on the Nashy cast is probably going to be a Beyond Nashy episode. Probably so. Yes, yes, yes. I'll try to make some kind of an announcement uh, either over on the uh, Nashy cast Facebook page because we're still trying to decide exactly which film to cover. Right. Uh, and then, of course, on the Bloody Pit, Troy and I will be returning to the uh, 1940s Universal Horror Movies where we'll uh, dig into, uh, strangely enough, a mummy film that Rod will not completely love. Uh, yes, it's, I know that's... I, say that again. I know that people aren't <laughs> believing they heard that. Believing, <laughs> believing they heard you say that. Well, <laughs> here's the thing. <laughs> we'll talk about it over on the Bloody Yes, we will. It will be the mummy's tomb, right? Uh, I, I remember that. I hate to say this, but all the all the titles run together. Kind of run together. It's well, the mummy, second well, mummy. It's, it's the, the second. It is the mummy's tomb. You're right. Yes, it's yes, the second yes, post Karloff mummy film. Yes, yes, yes. It's the uh, 
The sequel, what done, ripped <laughs> off most of it's a prequel. Yeah. <laughs> Friends, neighbors, thank you very much for coming to listen to us here on the NashiCast. Here in COVID-thick Tennessee, where both Troy and I have now been vaccinated. Hmm. Yes. Oh, I meant to ask. Did you have any uh, any terrible response to your to your shot? All I got was the sore arm. That's sore arm was basically it for me too. Oh, and I took and I took a big nap. Mm-hmm. I took like a big nap, <laughs> and I don't know if that was connected to the, to it or just the fact that I was relaxed now that I had a shot. Yeah, <laughs> I, I really can't tell. <laughs> but in the newly vaccinated South, here we are very yeah. glad to hear from you. So give us a give us a call, drop us a line, let us know what you think about Paul Nashy, any of his movies, or anything that we talked about here, and we will be back fairly soon, uh, folks. We do we do have a few commentary-like things on the horizon that we can't talk about openly right now. So if there's a if there's a small gap in between podcasts in the next couple of months, just let yourself be aware that uh, that means there's a goodie mm-hmm. coming down the mm-hmm. road mm-hmm. that won't necessarily be in the podcast feed, but will result in mm-hmm. you being able to listen to us babble for a little bit longer. That's so right. thank you once again. My name is Rod Barnett. I'm Troy Gwynn. And we will talk to you again soon. Mm-hmm.